Hello, everybody. Welcome to an episode of the Tigers, or excuse me, Motor City Metrics here at TigersMLReport.com. I'm Rogelio Castillo, and me is Youper, and we're not doing any live show this evening. This is a pre-recorded show. This is the first time, so we're doing it old school style, the way Chris and I used to do them, but we didn't have video. We actually just, uh, we did it all audio at one point. It's strange to think that, that it was all audio cued. Way back did. in the dark ages. Yeah. So thanks to StreamYard. StreamYard has made things a lot easier. But no recorded show live show tonight because the Lions are playing the Chiefs. And right now, as time recording, the Chiefs are up 14-7 heading into the half. And the Tigers right now are up 10-3 in the bottom of the – or going into the top of the ninth right now as Spencer Turkelson has gone off. He had another two-home run game. He hit his first one – a two-run shot off Carlos Rodon in the first – and then one off Vasquez in the fourth, another two-run shot. And then Abanez also hit a home run in the eighth inning with one with one on. So uh, Matt Verling with four for five and two RBIs. He slid on his shoulder, so it looks like but he stayed in the game. And Kerry Carpenter with a pair of hits, two for four on the day. And Andre Lipsius, two for four, playing third. So overall, the Tiger bats – as they complete the series, they come home to take on the White Sox starting tomorrow. We'll talk about that series in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, football, I, look, we know our audience enough to know. No, there was no way. There was no point of having a live show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Especially opening day for football. I mean, the football fans have been chomping or champing at the bit for weeks and weeks over this game. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, this is a – this is a season for Lions fans where there's a lot of expectations. Uh, Dan Campbell, I think, is showing more balls than Scott Harris. So you can debate that. That's a good debate to bring up. Uh, but, uh, no, it's it's a thing where the Lions this year have potential to win. And I, I've, I've when it comes to being a Lions fan growing up in this area, I'm kind of a jaded one. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know. Well, they're in their eighth, you know, eighth decade since their last championship. People are excited. Can't blame them. They they ended after their bad start last year. They came on strong, and uh, you know, this is the year they need to, you know, really prove it that the end of last year wasn't just uh, some nice run. It was something that had some teeth. And I think they got a good team. I think they got a shot to win that division. Should be good. Yeah, I mean. The Packers right now, in a, you know, they're trying to see if Jordan Love is going to be the the guy, if you will. I mean, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers now went to New York, which I mean, the distraction's over for Green Bay fans, and so it'll be an interesting season for the Packers. Is you know, uh, for people that don't know, Uper is a big Packer fan. So, uh, and if anybody gives him crap because he's in the UP, you try driving the Pontiac eight hours <laughs> to go watch a game. Exactly right. Uh, it was ten hours from where I grew up, but yeah, it was ten hours really. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, it was only four hours to Green Bay. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. It was much easier. But, you know, uh, the Green Bay is going a little different route this year. They have the youngest roster in the NFL. So, uh, you know, they still have a lot of good players. I still think they can win some ball games. But at the same time, when you have the youngest roster in the NFL, sometimes you pay for that a little bit with young mistakes. So we'll just kind of see how the year goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's going to be an interesting division, too. Justin Fields in Chicago, and, and you have Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And Minnesota has 
a pretty good defense too. So it's mm-hmm. like I said, it's always going to be the division. That's one thing about this division. I like, it's always going to be, it's always a fascinating watch, but yeah. So normally, like I said, we would normally do it. If it wasn't a Thursday night, like football, we've done it against Thursday night football. No problem, but it's, it's the lions. So, yeah. <laughs> but so right now, like I said, it was mentioning earlier, the Tigers are trying to finish up a four game series in New York. Some, it was kind of been a rough week for the Tigers. Matt Manning to miss the remainder of the season as he took a line drive to the foot. And mm-hmm. then they called up Trey Wingander and put Manning on. Yeah, the, the comebacker, by the way, was 119 miles an hour. Oof. Nasty. Nasty, nasty, nasty. And a bit, it's been a big week for Chase Young. He's hit five home runs in the span <laughs> of three days. And Erie did something that hasn't been done in, in since Ryan Kreidler, Spencer Turkelson, and I believe I'm trying to think of the other name that did this, but Riley Green, I think. Riley Green hit three home runs in a row tonight. But uh he had two home runs yesterday, both were mammoth mammoth shots, one to straight center, one to right. And the night before it was the same thing. He just continues to put himself in a different atmosphere as far as home runs are concerned. And he's among the top 10 most home runs by minor leaguer in Tigers history. Mm. So Chris and I did the research. Chris mm-hmm. came from beyond his, he has some do, he has some free time today and he actually assisted me with this. But uh, yeah, by the way, the back to back, the, the three of home runs was Ben Malgeri, Louis Santana and young. And there's also some bad news that come out of West Michigan too as uh, Troy Melton exited the game with an injury in the fifth. Mm. And so that's not good. And West, as Miss, West Michigan tries to clinch a playoff spot right now, um, Lakeland's also two and a half, has two game. They won tonight, and they're inching closer to a playoff spot. They beat Tampa, the Yankees affiliate, nine to eight. And, uh, yeah, so here's where Young is in terms of, like, company-wise. So you were talking about some names earlier, and it was a sad list to bring up. Because majority of these guys, so here, here's some, here's a couple of names for you, Uper. You mm-hmm. tell me if you were, you've heard of them. You remember <laughs> Danny Dorn? Danny Dorn. I want to say he went to the University of Pittsburgh. I could be wrong about that. All right, let's see here. Let's see how right you are about this. Danny Middle Dorn. infielder. Let's see, he was a first baseman. Oh, okay. He was a first off. baseman. Um, you said what? What, what university? Pitt, Pittsburgh. Oh, he went to Cal State. Oh, that's close. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like he was like a he was a guy who was like a minor leaguer, like a minor league free agent guy. Because yeah, he was obviously really... didn't make a big enough impression. I took a shot. Yeah, so, yeah. Danny Dorn <laughs> was yeah, it's so weird. He only played he only played two years. Okay, so he played in Toledo for two seasons at twenty seven, twenty eight. So he was a minor league free agent at that point. So okay. But the, but the rest of the list is kind of like Christian Stewart. There's John Lester. There's Quincy Naporti who's coming back. Mike Hessman, all-time minor league hitter, league leader in home runs. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of major leaguers on there. So, but a guy by the name of Alejandro Freire, I have no mm. idea who the hell that is. No idea. Yeah, no idea. Dave Myers got a cup mm. of coffee with the Marlins. So, I, you know, I want to pose a question to you, Uper. Now, before we get to our segments and what have you, is this the, the power numbers you've seen mm-hmm. this year from the minor leagues? 
you think there's a different vibe to it than some of these cast off numbers or cast off players that that's I mentioned? Like- exactly. I was going to say, I'd love to go. If we did an in-depth analysis of all those other guys, were they older? Were they on their second go round of, uh, of the level or even more like Hesman, who knows how many times he repeated triple a, right? I mean, so, um, you know, Jace, Jace Young is uh, his first crack at double A, and we're seeing what he's doing here. Uh, he's, he's an ascending player uh, coming out of college. Same with Colt Keith. I mean, these are all new levels that he's just seeing for the first time. And uh, seeing the production and the power is fantastic. I mean, that's exactly what we want to see. I mean, I just think back to last year, a lot of people were – I want not say down on the draft pick, but you know, I don't think anybody was over the moon over Jace Young, right? Uh, yeah. I think people were just like, "That's a competent pick," <laughs> and uh, then he had kind of a a so-so showing at West Michigan, right? He didn't he didn't wow anybody, and you've seen him enough. I don't know how many times you've seen him this year, but what what has he surprised you with? If anybody- Young, I think it's picks. It's Pitch selection. I think it has a lot to do with, I think he's recognizing pitches better and he has been more aggressive in the counts, Mm -hmm. but I really think it's like, he just, he's hitting mistakes. Like he wasn't doing that last year. He's definitely taking like in terms of his splits is actually better in double A than they are in high. So I, I really think that that to me is a good sign. Yeah. And it's also, the fact that everything's hit hard, it's like it's a lot of hard contact. It was significantly improvement from last year. He's barreling it up nicely. So I think it's his ability to recognize pitches um, in any account. And he, he's been able to, you can't just throw a mistake by him anymore. Nice. And the last report I had, and this, this is uh, a little while ago, but that he was playing an acceptable second base. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, I think he plays a second base. Mm-hmm. Fine. I I don't understand why people are saying his defense is going to be it lacks. Uh, I was talking. I was talking to somebody about this today about his arm. Yeah, his arm is, but it's adequate for the position. Yeah. Can he can he go play the outfield? No, but he he takes he's worked on his defense. He really gets mm-hmm. irritated about when people mention his defense. Yeah. As, uh, but I think he's going to be serviceable. Huber. I don't. I really. He makes the play. He has the range. He's not going to hinder you. He's not. Winsteel Perez, where he's just gonna, it's like a mental thing with him and sure all that. But no, I think he's fine. I mean, well, I, he, I like I like hearing that he gets mad about it because that kind of tells you he'll, he'll probably work his ass off at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Trey Wingenter uh, is into close tonight with a seven run cushion. <laughs> Jeez, old Pete's. Well, I mean, at least they're, at least they're resting their the good arms of the bullpen, if you will. Yeah. But uh, well, I tweeted today. I, I was uh, Trey Wingenter and Tyler uh, Nevin are in a neck and neck race for causing all Tiger fans to say him again <laughs> when he's called. Yeah. Up. <laughs> they have no one better than him. I think that it's a very close race between those two guys. Yeah, it's it, at some point you have to go. Well, what about somebody else? But they have who they have. It's the season's ending in a couple of weeks. At this point, I think the, the Tigers just want to get to the finish line without taking more too too not too many more injuries. Really, yeah. I, I think that's really what it is. If you boil down to it, 
And right now, it's just really the last couple we saw about Miguel Cabrera and mm-hmm. and just celebrating that. And I think it's kind of weird to see. It's kind of I don't know, I don't want to say this is a sign because I hate seeing that kind of stuff. It's kind of cliche, but you look at tonight with Central Trickleson kind of having the mantle, the power bat, if you will, and. Uh, again, there's still some still strange how people still complain about Spencer Torrelson. Uh, again, he's he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's hitting home runs. I don't know what yeah. else you want. Mm-hmm. And he's looking comfortable doing it, right? He looks yeah. confident now. He doesn't have that. I don't want to say he looked lost at times. He just he didn't look like he was walking in. And it's hard to read body language, but that he just didn't have that certainty that he was going to get his pitch and drive it. And now he walks in that man, he just looks, he just looks the part. Uh, and that's unscientific as hell to say, but it just, he passes the eyeball test right now. Yeah, he does. He, he He's, he's getting it done, Uper, And that's all that matters right now with, especially when you're going into the 2024 season mm-hmm. with uncertainty, it was, was kind of really some, still has some questions on what to do with the outfield. Now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question because this is something that uh, I was actually talking to Mark about this earlier today. So mm-hmm. you, you have all this money coming out the books, right? Yep. And you have a, a glutton of left-handed hitters right now, right? Yes. How does Tyler O'Neill look to you in right field? Plus defensively, right? Plus defensively. His speed was pretty good last year, too. But he's yep. been injured a little bit. To be Stinky fair, power. Stinky power. I think if you, and I'm assuming then Riley Green's playing left. Correct. Carpenter's your DH. Correct. And then you have Meadows in center. Right. Yeah. Um, I would have to think the pitchers would really enjoy playing in front of that outfield. Uh, it would balance the lineup a little bit. O'Neill shouldn't cost it. He can't make a whole lot of money, right? I mean, if, if Illich is worried about that, um, yeah, I, I, I could see that being a potential play. But it's going to be interesting, you know. I, I'm also interested. I just wonder, are they going to dabble in the Asian market at all? Because there seems to be a few pretty good hitters coming over this year, uh, and a couple arms, and they're going to need both. So, but I think the easiest, since they never do that and they haven't, um, swinging the deal for O'Neill, I could see it. Because he's not coming back to St. Louis. Let's, let's right. face it. He's not coming back to St. Louis. And I think you have to, I think the Tigers are going to have to be, the Tigers are going to be creative in who they bring in. They're going to, they already have somebody, they probably have a list of people they have in mind that can control the strike zone mm-hmm. that fit Harris's philosophy. And right now, obviously it's, it's September 7th. We're, we're talking way too early about this. But the reason why I was bringing this up is because you've seen this tonight with with Torkelson. And he's, you know, he's got the, he's got the power. He's the right-handed bat. But you need something else with the, the counterbalance that, too. Yeah. And, I mean, Carpenter, you, could, you know, is that going to be a DH platoon situation? No, I think Car- Carpenter could be the full-time DH. Yeah. But also, you know, Uber. Carpenter's not been bad in right field either. Yeah, I, I, it's a good problem to have of where you're going to play these guys. Um, I, 
I'm one of the last guys who's going to get on that train of, of making Carpenter a full-time DH. I don't have a big problem with him in right field. I don't uh, either. If they, especially if they can find a veteran hitter to be the DH who, you know, is a step above what, you know, uh, some of the other guys on hand, it's all about lengthening that lineup. And I don't really care how they do it. Uh, it'd be great if they have a, a top-notch defense all around the outfield. But if you have Meadows in center and green and left, they should be able to protect Carpenter a little bit. And as you said, he's not awful out there. Uh, yeah. Despite what, you know, we, what people said at the beginning. There was a play he made a couple of weeks ago. I think it was against Minnesota where he played it off the wall, mm-hmm. made a really, he gunned down somebody, he gunned down somebody at second base. Yeah. He's and, got the arm. Yeah. He's got an arm and he's, even the way he's played that in Minnesota, you could tell he worked out there and was able to figure out exactly how the bounces went mm-hmm. off that right field wall. And he's done that at Comerica Park too. So I, I think he's prided himself on working his defense more. It's a step up from what we were seeing originally. So, well, and the thing about it is um, when, even if he is the DH, I'm sure he'll still play some outfield. I mean, there's days, you know, Meadows needs a day off or there's a tough lefty. They'll, they'll swing, you know, uh, Riley Green to, to uh, center field and put Carpenter in right and someone else in left and make it work. You know, I mean, there, there, there are ways around that where he's not a full-time DH, uh, maybe 70% of the time or something. Yeah, and that, that, that'll work. I mean, I think I do like your idea of bringing in a veteran bat to kind of complement that. But again, I think they are also going to have to do some some trading, which this is where the Scott Harris have the cojones that like Dan Campbell does to make a trade. And I think, I think he does. I think there's, I think there's one thing about this front office. They're not afraid to rock the boat. I mean, they've gotten rid of players that have been in the system for a long time. They're just like, they're just, they're going to continue. Harris is still going to make his imprint on his roster. Yeah. Well, you have to, I mean, they, they, they can't be status quo. They're, they, they're a team with, despite all the things we might be a little optimistic about, they're, I checked today. They're still at a minus one sixteen run differential. You can't stay the same. You got to rock the boat a little bit. <laughs> you have to make yeah. some moves. Um, the first year they didn't do a ton. I still think they should have, but they didn't. And you know, if you want to make the argument, he wanted a year to assess what he had and and move slowly at first. And okay, I get it. Uh, but now you have Torkelson is semi-established. When Riley Green is on the field, you know what you have there. You got a pretty darn good player. Carpenter has come on as a player. Uh, you can't go status quo and flatline around them. You have to add to that lineup, lengthen that lineup, put a major league presentable offense out there. And you're in a division you can win, even though the goal is to win the World Series, but you're in a division you can win. Uh, you, you can't imagine they'll sit on their hands this winter. I'd be stunned. I would be st- if they do. It's it's an outright embarrassment. Then, yeah. by the way, it just gone final in the Bronx. Tigers win ten to three. Eduardo Rodriguez improves eleven and seven on the year, and yeah, the Tigers will come home play a four game series against the White Sox beginning on Friday. So, should be interesting. They got they got the uh, Barknard or excuse me, the Irish Heritage Night is tomorrow night on Ooh. Friday night. So and then. They have the trucker hat on Saturday. I've never been a big fan of trucker hats. I'm, I'm yeah, me neither. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad that somebody else thinks that too. Yeah. All right, let's go inside the numbers. All right, Uper, what is your inside the number today? Inside the number, I'm going to the American League East for two guys. Um, I would say, you know, over the last three years, if you ask who's the best first baseman in the AL East, uh, you would automatically say Vlad Guerrero Jr. And you still might say that. But, um, boy, this year, numbers. He's at 21 homers. He's got a, a .779 OPS. Nothing embarrassing about those numbers, but those are nothing that we talked about Vlad Guerrero producing a few years ago. I mean, we everybody expected superstar stats year in, year out, and it's just not happening. And a comparison to make is with the Red Sox. Tristan Cassis, right, got off to a really slow start. He was hitting a buck 40 uh, in April and into May. Uh, it, it was It was – a lot of harping going on in Boston about getting him out of the lineup and sending him back to the minors. Well, he's gone on a hitting crusade here throughout the summer. Uh, he's up at 23 homers, but and I didn't know this until tonight. I knew it was good, but he is uh, showcasing an 868 OPS. Wow. You know, he's, yeah, he's fully uh, 90 points in front of Vlad. <laughs> so um, I don't know what Vlad – I mean, Vlad Guerrero is hitting a lot of ground balls. Uh, his, which obviously they need to work on something to get him elevating more. Uh, but his power numbers are down and it's shocking. I mean, he's hitting the ball hard, but they're not leaving the ballpark. And I don't know if that's a park factor or, you know, I, I just don't know, but it's really been, um, disappointing to see because I really thought he was going to be the guy who took the mantle as the next big slugger in, in major league baseball. And now a guy like Tristan Cassis is going Homer for Homer with him and out slugging him. And, and Tristan Cassis, I think, uh, even I, 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 I think to a certain extent, is he a household name to you? Because I, I, I don't in, in terms of Boston, because Boston mm-hmm. is he is he becoming a household name or is he still kind of? Well, you know, it's his first his first full season. He was a number one draft pick, like I think twentieth overall or something like that. Um, he was, I, I knew a lot about, I follow him a lot when he was with team USA and the 18 U and so on. He was a real, I mean, he was just a line drive machine as a youth hitter. Um, and now the power, uh, he's starting to leave the ballpark. I think he's only 22 maybe. Um, so he, he, I think he has a lot of growth potential left, a lot of ceiling. Yeah. He's a really uh, kind of lanky, kind of looks lanky to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So my inside number this week is 17, and that is the swings and misses from Luis Casillo in the start tonight as Seattle beat Tampa one nothing. That's an impressive start for Luis Castillo, considering that coming into his last five starts, he had an ERA of just above four. Hmm. Um, got beat up a couple of his, his start against the Angels back in the beginning of August is where it's kind of been kind of a, a blimp in the radar. But other than that, in his last, he's been – Consistent. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been one of the be- best pitchers for the Mariners this season and one of the best pitchers in all of the American League West right now. And, and they need him to step it up, and he did. I guess a very one of the, the best offense in the American League. So I thought that was worth mentioning that to get Tampa, get 17 swings and misses. I think he had a perfect game for a, a while there. 
I saw a perfect game alert come up. I didn't see what inning it was in, though. So obviously he was uh, he was shoving. <laughs> and by the way, uh, per Evan Woodbury, uh, Erod's eleven wins more than any Tigers pitcher since just for Lester Verlander's sixteen in twenty sixteen. Wow. So he should get what maybe four more starts, right? So yeah, he could win 12, 13 games here. Yeah. That would be nice. I mean, look, for whether he leaves or whatever decide whatever he decides to go, it's yeah, I, I know. People take our friends like, Whoa, what are you what are you doing? Oh yeah. Uh, again, he could stay. I, but then again, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a cynical jerk about it because it's too easy. There's really no there's no predicting it right now because he's he's had such a mercurial couple of years in Detroit, right? He left the team for a while, and then this year he turned down a trade to a contender, which you don't see very often. Uh, he talked about loving it in Detroit, but then again, it sounds like he would have taken the right offer from the Dodgers. <laughs> so. It's all over the map, right? What he's going to do? Um, do the Tigers want to add to his deal and keep him? I'm sure they're at least having discussions, uh, whether it's with his agent or just internally uh, among Harris's minions there. So I don't know. I, I, I at first I was like, yeah, I think you move on, but at the same time, his contract is pretty reasonable. If he opts into it, I think you could augment it a little bit to make him happy, but it would still be a pretty a pretty fair deal. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that here in Detroit, he has the potential to kind of think to elevate his game and be in the Tigers should think about considering extending him because you look at the injuries right now to Manning. There's no sure things with Mize either. Yep. Uh, you know, he had to shut it down. He wasn't feeling it and it's been a rough road for him. Uh, and then Derek Skubal, same thing. He's had injury history. So you get as much secure, as much pitching as you can. Uh, and there's no guarantees about what they have in Flores or Ty Madden or anybody else they have right now in the system that's going to come up and be a, a bona fide number one starter, which I don't see that right, as of right now. I mean, Jackson Job still allows too many home runs, if I'm giving him nitpicky, but, you know, you have to, right. have to see what else he does in double A. Exactly. Yeah. Where's right. the goal? Yeah, ways to go. All right, now it's time for the good and the bad and the ugly. I have an idea for this one, uh, this segment. You, I'll say, you say you're good, I'll say my good, and we'll just go back and forth. Back I think and forth. That, yeah, Sounds I think good. Yeah, so, all right, what's your good? Well, my good is that uh, we talked about it a little bit already, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, multi-homer games has been the good, they, they, what we're talking about this week. Uh, Jace Young with two in a row with another tonight. Um, really cool to see. Uh, the Tigers, with the way their offense has been uh, at the big league level for the last several years, it's been so woeful. They just need as many options to pick from going forward as possible. Uh, so that's why it's been so good to see Malloy and Keith and Wenzel Prez and now Jace Young just looking like they're going to have at least chances to be uh, quality major league hitters because the Tigers need uh, more bats and they need them from anywhere they can get them. And then Torkelson tonight with the two home runs. Uh, I didn't realize, I knew that he had four, but actually this was the fifth multi-homer game this year 
for Spencer Torkelson with a month to go. So no reason why he might not add another one here before we were done. So the, the growth and maturation in his game uh, has been so gratifying to watch through the summer. Probably the biggest development on a team, you know, if it's not him, then it's Carpenter, right? Um, uh, I really all last off season, we talked about, at least I did the, since the off season was rather inactive, 2023 was about Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson establishing themselves as quality major league ball players. Uh, they still have a ways to go. Uh, Green is more about injury and staying healthy. Torkelson still probably, you know, needs to prove it over a longer stretch of time. But uh, the multi-homer games are, are explosive moments that win ball games. And he's shown that five times this year, which has been pretty good. Yeah. And that's where it's you, you take for all the highs and lows this season too. And Jerry did a really good article about talking about the hard hit contact that's been rewarded. You know, you, you forget the beginning of the season, what exactly occurred with the going back and forth with the, the numbers. And yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I I'm looking forward to what he can do next season with all, mm-hmm. like a little bit of a weight lifted off him a little bit. So, yeah. So my good this week is involving the Astros. I know, boo, the Astros, <laughs> but they set a major league record against the Rangers. Uh, it was it was it was something to. They kicked off the series with thirteen runs, a comprehensive victory. By the series end against the Rangers, they tallied fifty hits and six, 16, 16 home runs. Both MLB records for a three-game series. They wow. scored 12-plus runs and hit five-plus homers in each of the three games versus the Rangers, which has never been ever done before, according to Opta Stats. So this was supposed to be a, a matchup of two contenders in the West, and Houston mm-hmm. was like, nah, nah, you're the John Beckett Texas Rangers of the past. Yeah. It's business as usual, as the, the Houston Astros tweet, Twitter account. But – I mean, Jose Altuve, I think there was some that one of the announcers just like, come on, really? Um, it's, yeah, Houston's peaking at the right time right now. No question about it. Yeah, if their if they're starting pitching holds up behind Verlander, they're going to be a really tough out. In the yeah, and Alex, and Alex Berman is continuing as a hot stick too. Yep. So, but yeah, that that's, that's a, a standout right there. What is your bad this week? Well, the bad this week uh, got a little bit better tonight. Uh, the Tigers tonight got their seventh victory of the season versus the AL East. Um, with the two losses in New York uh, and tonight's win, they wrap up the season versus the East with a 7-25 and 25 record. Uh, not good. Now, they've had years in the past where the team stunk and they got crushed in their own division by like the Indians and the Twins. And they actually were competitive against the East, even though they were a bad team. Uh, this year, it was the exact opposite. They did so good in their division, and they need one win against the White Sox to have a winning record against everybody um, in in the AL Central. Uh, but this year, they just were outclassed and outmatched consistently when they took the field against the AL East. Again, 7-25, and 25, uh, a big reason why the record is what it is. Yeah, they this. I mean, you understand how 
competitive that division is. We talked, you just talked about Toronto earlier, mm-hmm. Baltimore, even again in Baltimore, it's the first time we haven't mentioned Baltimore in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a tough, that's a tough division as a whole, but seven twenty. come on. I mean, yeah. Even if uh, they've gone, you know, 12 and yeah, uh, well, even 11 and four. I don't know what you say, but if they had won 15 out of the 32, you know, 15 and 17, how much better would their record look? Be oh yeah. Well. They, they would be probably within division, uh, striking distance division. Sure. So my bad is Anthony Rendon, who has been, <laughs> he is, he has had a year. I mean, everybody is calling him out for being a prima donna asshole. He's, he's been an asshole. Let's let's, yeah. I can't really sugarcoat any other way like that. <laughs> um, he's been one of the worst contracts ever, worst contracts ever. And he got into it with a fan earlier this year saying that he called him out and it was a wrong fan. The guy was, he was a total jackass, but, <laughs> There's one man that sums it up best would be Chris Rose. And he said this during the baseball today show on John boy media and Chris Rose has been around for a while. And, and I, I actually like Chris Rose. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not bad. Yeah. Um, he's, he actually started, he did a show on Fox sports show like a long time ago that I really liked. Um, but here, here's his comments on Anthony Rondon to Sam Blum, who covers the Halos, reporters stopped to ask Anthony Rendon in the clubhouse about his injury, possible timetable for a return. They haven't gotten a lot of answers recently. The third baseman said, no habla inglés today, hmm. and left the clubhouse. Your thoughts? I don't really know how to answer this question, C. Rose. Oh, I, I mean, do? Then let me go. Okay, I know. Hold on. I know then what let you're going to do. You want to just go? Okay. Yeah, fuck it. I, I've had enough of his ass. He's <laughs> tired. He, he is so tired. For years, all I heard, this is what I heard from guys who played with him. I was like, what's the deal with Rendon? They're like, listen, dude, he can mash. He can mash. Like, he is as good bat-to-ball dude as I've ever played with. Unbelievable player. I was like, does he like it? They're like, nah, he doesn't. He's good at baseball, so that's why he plays. <laughs> the, the whole act is so tired. It's been tired forever. It was tired in Washington. It's tired now. I get it. It's not fun being injured. Like, you want to be out there? I think he does, at least. I'm not so sure about that anymore. But you know what? Be a fucking professional. We hear it all the time from management and from managers. Hey, he's a professional ball player. This is not professional. Somebody has got to stand up. And here's a lack of leadership. And I don't know whose job it is to to sit his ass down. Really, it's his job because he's over 30 and he's been in this game for a long time. But somebody should sit him down and be like, listen, bro, when somebody asks you a question, you can be frustrated. You could be upset. You might not even like the question, but don't act like some immature little kid. I, I've mm. had enough of it. It really is a tired act. And I have to imagine that there's guys in the clubhouse that are rolling their eyes like, they're going out to bust their ass every day after a horseshit season and everything that they've been through and no habla inglés today. Well, by the way, you do speak English because you said the word today. Court- <laughs> that, that was the best part about that. <laughs> Is he absolutely right? It's like something you would never over, overthink. And oh, no habla inglés no today. What a ja- what an asshole. What a yeah. what a dick. Um, but. 
it is, you know, and then you saw earlier on Twitter that for the Angels team picture, somebody was standing there that wasn't Shoney Otani. Yeah. What the hell? What, what was that about? Put a body double in. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. paste his name in later or his, his face. Uh, it's wild. It's just a messed up organization. They, you know, they got a hothead manager. They got, I just seems like they're always changing directions of how they want to build a team. Just bizarre. Yeah, Eddie Moreno's like, hey guys, I'm gonna put everybody on waiver wire because I don't want to pay him. Yeah. <laughs> like, or however that works. Um, if you're a lifelong Angel fan out there, it's gotta be tough. If you're a lifelong Angel fan, uh, you deserve a medal. Because <laughs> I mean, seriously, like it's yeah. You, you almost forget that they they won a World Series. They got one. Yep, they did. I mean, that was all for Gene Autry, the original one of the founding owners of the Angels, who was considered by a much beloved man in Anaheim. I don't know what the hell Artie, Artie Moreno is rich beyond anything, and he's just treating the team like garbage. Yeah. Are you the GM or are you the owner? Make up your damn mind. And then, you know, you hear about how they got their one of the beat reporters because he was too negative, and they got him out of there. Like, some of the stuff like that. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right. And what is your ugly this week? I think, I think we might have the same ugly, but go ahead. Mine for me is Matt Manning. Okay. Uh, you know, it's just uh, so unfortunate. How many times have you – I've never seen it, and I've been watching this game a long time, and I'm sure I might be forgetting someone, but – the same pitcher breaking the same foot on comebackers in the same season and going on the IL uh, twice in one year. What are the odds of that? I mean, the first time around when he got hit by Alejandro Kirk in uh, Toronto, that one didn't look that bad to me. I was, I was hopeful he'd get back much quicker, but you know, he broke the, he broke the bone and what are you going to do? But that one didn't look as serious. This one, it was no big shock. I mean, it was like you said before, it was 119 mile and a half miles per hour uh it, it caught him and bounced straight up by his hip so you know he pretty much took the full shot uh, on his foot and you could see by the look on his face moments after he flipped it to first base he was hurting um really a shame because despite you know the strikeout numbers not being what a lot of stat people want to see he had the results cooking this year you know uh he he was looking very good very competitive uh he was keeping the ball in the yard uh, to an extent. I mean, I think, oh, I, yeah, I shouldn't say that. I think he allowed 11 home runs, didn't he? Uh, yeah. So he, he allowed a few homers. But really, though, the results were very solid, and I thought he looked uh, as good as we've seen him pitch. Uh, but facts are, uh, whether you want to call this fluky or not, getting hit by comebackers, uh, he's been in the big leagues three years, and he has averaged 14 and two-thirds starts. Uh, per season so he just has not been able to take the ball and give them you know 26 28 30 starts in a season hopefully next year that'll be the case uh, but uh, right now the first three seasons we've seen some good from Matt Manning we just haven't seen enough of Matt Manning you know he's coming off a very good run of streaks here or run of starts here Uber yep. and yeah you're right that is it's a freak thing I've, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that mm-hmm. before same it's just come on i mean did he see a black cat or something like it just sounds like it just seriously it just sounds like something voodoo like it just doesn't yeah. doesn't jive but uh so my ugly 
it, to end the week is the the whole situation right now with Julio uh, Julio Urias, who allegedly pushed a woman into a fence, um, enough to where he's on administrative leave, enough to where the Dodgers are actually pulling his bobblehead night, which is I think coming up next week or the week after. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, by the way, just a uh, just a quick update from the game after the game here. Uh, according to Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News, just a bone bruise for Zach Short. No RI, or no IR expected. Uh, lots of swelling on Matt Verling's elbow, and he expects him he won't be there on Friday, but he expects him to be available off the bench. He got hit pretty. He got pretty. Uh, he got hit on a pickoff, pickoff throw, and nailed him. Uh, and it, it hit him hard enough. It, it it bounced off him and went into. Yeah, the I was just gonna say. I think I, I saw the highlight of it. it. Looked like it bounced, and I'm that's ugh. Um, but so Urias was booked in the jail on 1 a.m. Monday morning, mm. specific time, Pacific time. And he, he posted $50,000 bail and was released. But, um, yeah, he last, last time he pitched was on September 1st. So. And this is a second offense a, for him, right? I believe it is a second offense. Yes. Yeah. And there's a, I don't know if California still has a three strike rule or however that works. Um, but yeah, nevertheless. It's kind of a that whole situation for the for the Dodgers. It's just another pitcher, another domestic violence. Brutal. I think of Trevor Bauer and all that, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, brutal time for the Dodgers as they're trying to get. Into, I mean, right now they have the they own the best record in all. I think they're tied with the Braves. Last I checked, for that best record in the NL. But still, uh, right now also the Lions have tied the game. It's fourteen all. And halfway through the third, with eight minutes left to go in the third quarter. Okay. But if you're listening, if you're watching us now, host show, you already know who won the game. So why am I just telling you that? I don't know. Like I'm so used to us doing live. So maybe that's what it is. Uh- <laughs> Love it. Hey, I was going with it. You were doing this. Like, oh, hey, that's good. Yeah. You know what? I mean, hey, might as well. Uh, can't we can't get rusty with this? So I have to do the live show. But, yeah. um, but as far as, again, the pitching matchups for this weekend, there's not a starter announced for Sunday, by the way. So tomorrow will be Reese Olsen against Mike Clevenger. Saturday, Scooble versus 2 be announced. And then Sunday starter for the White Sox will be a guy by the name of Jesse Schultens. Mm, don't know. Yeah, 74 so innings. So they're, not, so they're not coming back with Kopech. Um, no, I, th- I think are they shutting down Kopech for the year? I don't know. He looked terrible. I'll tell you, last Sunday uh, when yeah. when the Tigers got drove him out the mound in the I think in the third inning, uh, he had already walked five or six guys. I mean, he could not throw a fastball for a strike. He was throwing a little get me over slider. That was the only thing that was even threatening the strike zone. Uh, the the fastball just looked like he had the yips. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Yeah, and his fastball usually has some really good tail action. That's one of his best pitches. That was a really good pitch for him last year. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. He maybe just be fatigued. I don't know what the case is. But as we look at the standings real quick before we get out of here, Minnesota. You know, the Cleveland had a good chance with the waiver pickups. You think they would kind of perhaps make a run, and they kind of crapped the bet against the Twins. So mm-hmm. now they're six back as the Twins are now uh, pretty much control of the AL Central. The Seattle's a half game back of Houston. And you know what's interesting? There was a, a great stat that I saw earlier tonight about the Mariners, too. 
and it was I think since July first, since the All Star break, they have they're forty one and nineteen for the last sixty games since July first, the best record in MLB during that span, and they're still half a game back at Houston. That is brutal. It really that is. is how yeah that is that's how tough baseball is, ladies and gentlemen. Houston, I mean, it, you know, I, I think if there's one thing I want to really pay attention to in the next couple of weeks, Super, is that division. I mean, like, let's let's not kid ourselves here. As much as Texas is, you know, has a, the names, what have you, it really down to Houston, Seattle. I, I don't think Texas is legit. I would agree. Yeah, I, I I I would go down that road with you absolutely. Seattle, I like the, I like the starting pitching. I really do. Uh, obviously, the, uh, Julio Rodriguez uh, in that lineup. Uh, I think they're a legit team. I think they can do some damage once they get in. Yeah, and Munoz uh, the bullpen too has been really. I mean, the guy's been really good. They have some. Their their bullpen is one of the best in the American League, and so mm-hmm. I think that's going to help them. And if they can get some more consistency from their starters, I think they'll they'll bowl well. Baltimore right now is up four on Tampa Bay. And then we go to the NL East, and, I mean, Philly's playing out of their mind, but it doesn't matter because Atlanta at 91-40 has a best run differential at 233. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Uh It's unbelievable. I mean, they were at 250 home runs last week, and they set their team yeah. record. With a month to go, and you know what's you know what's even stranger is the Dodgers, who have the second best offensive run score, they scored seven hundred seventy nine. Atlanta's at eight hundred nine. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, but Philly, Philly's yeah, Philly's making it interesting though. They're in the wild card. They got the wild card. Uh, Milwaukee and the Cubs right now in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's falling back a little bit. They're still getting some good play from their young guys, but it's I don't want to say they're fading a little bit, but uh, they're. They're now five and a half back of Milwaukee. The Cubs are two back. And then in the NL West, it's just the Dodgers and everybody else. And San Diego's been fading back. Where's the wild card there? The wild card? So let me give you a wild card update here. So the wild card looks like this in the American League right now as Tampa, Seattle, and Toronto are your three teams in the American League with Texas a half a game back. And Boston somehow hanging out there at five back, but let's be realistic here about that. Yeah. And then in the NL, Philadelphia, Cubs, and Arizona with the Marlins just a half a game back, the Reds a half a game back, and the Giants are two and a half back. Miami got some bad news, though. Sandy Alcantara is going to be out for the rest of the year. That's a big blow to them. But they have some – they still have some really good depth. I mean, Jake Berger, by the way. Did you see the Jake Berger? I think has 30 home runs. Is is that right? (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Wow. Damn, that – that must be the sneakiest 30 home runs we've heard in a while, right? I mean, it could be. He's yeah. kind of a little mini Schwarber now. Yeah, except the the Schwarber, the, the funnest debate right now in all baseball is Schwarber's war. Yeah. Okay. So I I don't know about you, Uper. This is where, okay, war, war is a stat that really tells you all about a player, right? I mean, that's just, it's become a metric, the modern day metric of, sure. Would you say it's a modern day metric of, What's good and what's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice little shorthand number. Boiled into one number. I love it. You bet. Yeah. So here's a, here's Schwarber's line. You got OPS plus over 123. OPS of 820. So I got 475. Mm-hmm. He's got four, 41 home runs. 
He's batting 195. He's got a war of 0.6. Yeah, that seems a little fly in the ointment there, a little flaw. Yeah. Because I'd take him on my team. Yeah, I'd take him on my team too. He leads the league in strikeouts. He leads the National League in strikeouts at 177. Yeah. And look like he will more likely strike out for 200 times again. It looks to be that way. You know, he's just a guy, you know, when you, you can't always have the perfect player, you know, sometimes you have a flawed guy who fits your team and your ballpark really well. And uh, they need, you know, he's a power source. I think I saw something. He has more homers than singles right now. I think he'd be the first guy with 40 plus homers to ever do that. <laughs> so, you know, you're absolutely, you are, let's see here. I believe you are. Yeah, you are correct. I'm trying to see if in terms of breakdown by hits here. Yeah, I'm trying to find that. They have it listed here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before. No, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's getting it done in his own way. And this is where like that's one of the stats with war. Like his best war season, by the way, was last year at 2.2. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry. It was 2019 when he was 2.3 war. But you wouldn't want a lineup full of Kyle Schwarbers, but you can carry one Kyle Schwarber if he's gonna hit 40 bombs for you. He might hit 50 this year if he gets hot. Yeah, you know he's a classic example of like Greg Lewinsky. Who was uh, the the bull? Yeah, in the for the Phillies in the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, this is a guy who was up there. Um, imagine him. You you imagine Schwarber, or excuse me, imagine Lewinsky being a DH then. I mean, they didn't have the yeah. DH in the National League. He was I believe he was a first baseman. Right. Well, oh, I think he played left. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking of- he came. He came to the White. He finished with the White Sox his last couple of years, and he wasn't. He, but even then, they they couldn't always DH him because they had Ron Kittle. <laughs> yeah, but, they, but didn't Ron Kittle play more catcher though? Oh, I think eventually he they tried him in the outfield, and then because he, he was just, a was he a backup for Carlton Fisk, wasn't he? He came up as a catcher, but I think they got him out of there relatively fast. Same way like Dale, he came at the same time as Dale Murphy. Came oh, you don't catch- not Ron. I'm sorry, you know what I was thinking of? What was the there was a catcher. Kind of like a redheaded catcher for the red, uh, White Sox. Ryan Karkovice? Um, yeah, Karkovice. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. Of. I was thinking Karkovice. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He was a first baseman. Yes. Uh, Ron Kittle. Yeah, that's a name. I, yeah, that's another name I've heard in a while. But um, Ron Kittle is a guy. I, I think I think Jack Morris struck him out three times in the no hitter. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he had gla- Yeah, he had like these glasses. That's what it was. I remember that and for that. So yeah. Yes. So on that note, uh, we'll be we'll play it by ear. We'll more likely do a show on Monday evening versus Sunday night. So more likely we'll be back on Monday, as uh, we'll also kind of recap the minor leagues. More, I don't, I'm not sure yet. Depending on how it goes Sunday, there will probably be a live show either Monday Monday night or Sunday evening for the minor league stuff. So we might just combine them and put them together, as uh, we'll recap what's going on. Big week for Jace Young. There has been it's been a big week for. Lakeland, Lakeland will more than likely will find out by Saturday. It might look like they might clinch their uh, play, a ticket to the playoff spot. And then if I look real quick at West Michigan, what they're doing tonight, I believe the Whitecaps won earlier. I have to double check. But they are sitting right now. They are just on the cusp 
of, I believe Fort Wayne is still half a game up and Great Lakes won tonight five, excuse me, uh, Fort Wayne's a half game up. So, but uh, Great Lakes won tonight five to four. And yeah, the, the, let's just say there's a lot of people pissed off that Brady Allen got called up. And yeah, it was, it, it was a big blow for him because he's been their best hitter and sure. He's not able to be there for the postseason run. And but Fort and it was a chance for West Michigan to gain a game tonight too, because Fort Wayne lost against Dayton. So they have another chance to, tomorrow as they end the season against Great Lakes. And Lakeland tonight, in terms of standing wise, real quick before we get out of here. And you again, you're probably looking at this all in the morning when you're listening to us. Uh Lakeland, let's see here. Lakeland is now three games up with three games to play. So do the math for me, Uper. I don't, they can win the division tomorrow, technically, couldn't they? Or Friday, sure. right? With a win or a loss, yeah. 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 So, Bradenton, by the way, win came in. Win or loss by the other. Yeah. Bradenton is three games back right now. And so, Lakeland has a chance to clinch their division. And again, best run differential in the Florida State League at 80 plus 89. They don't have a lot of pitching, Uper, but this that's a fun team to watch. It really is. Like just um it's it's a blast to yeah. watch. So uh as of recording nice. right now, Brinton is still playing Fort Myers right now and it is two two in the bottom of the fourth. So if the Marauders lose tonight, the Great Lakes or excuse me, Lakeland has a chance to I think they have a chance to even win the division. Right? There you go. Fly Tigers. Right fly yeah. flags fly forever. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. And we'll be back Monday for sure. And we, again, go to TigersMLReport.com. Check out all the great content over there. I'm working on a state of the Detroit Tigers minor league system article. It's gonna it's like a 4,000-word mecca piece. So it's going to be a long – it's going to do a lot of research. I'm getting some help. Props to – I got to give a shout-out to Robert James, uh Jerry, who's always been a very good supporter, and Chris Brown, who's listening. Miss you, Chris. Hopefully you'll come back soon. Yeah. Um, it's not the same, but we carry on. And uh, thank you, Uper, for coming on tonight. We really I appreciate it as always. And, uh, yeah, we will be back on Monday. Have a good evening, everybody. Or if you're listening, have a good evening, morning, night, whatever. We'll see you, <laughs> we'll see you we'll down see the road. You.